it's not fun to brush your teeth. It's not fun to floss. It's not fun to do any of those things. But the reason we do it is because we don't want to go out in the world and stink up people and people look at us like, we're like oh, okay, weird guy, right? But it's this, it's just this small act of discipline and the small act of commitment to yourself makes such a tremendous difference. And you do it every day. You don't even think about it twice. Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day, and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Amrit Singh. Amrit is a high-momentum life coach. He uses techniques and strategies based on his extensive knowledge and experience of meditation, habit development, and spirituality. He's been coaching people for over 25 years in Germany, India, USA, and Mexico. He helps clients figure out what they want most in life and what makes them happy, and then guides them into creating a new and hyper-successful reality for their life. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Amrit. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Thanks for having me. Awesome to be here. Yes, I'm excited for this conversation at just our pre-conversation before I hit record. Um, it's time to wake up society in regards to so many things that you stand for, in regards to what you do for people, in regards to who you are, what you project out to society, and the misnomers and, and the misinformation that's out there today in the world needs to be given a helping hand and, you know, drive some of that ignorance away that we have going on. But where the, I like to start, Amrit, is that I talk to people and I want people that listen to understand your origin story. And I'm not talking just about your back end story, what happened to you when you became an adult. I want to know your earliest recollections from your, you know, youngest memories of your childhood all the way to where you are to now. And you can share whatever you would like, because I find that the more people hear somebody's origin and vulnerability, the more they know, like, and trust the person, mm -hmm. individual they're hearing. So could you do me a favor, my friend, and share with us your origin story from your earliest recollections to where you are today? Wow. Okay. So that's a big one. But I think what, what really stands out for me the most is that when I was a young child, I was always extra sensitive, extra, you know, empathic. You know, I had a hard time. I was just telling someone that the other day this thing where I, I never liked to eat meat. So my parents had this thing where they wanted to trick me into eating meat, you know, and like 
they'll give me like sausages or like fish fillets, you know, with the stuff on it, with all the stuff which didn't look like meat. And I would eat it because it tasted okay, you know, but I, I just like, as the second something looked like meat, I was just like, I'm out. You know, they put a fish on the table, I wouldn't touch it. They, you know, like cutting my steak and the, the blood was coming out, you know, they're like, no, no, it's not blood, it's meat juice. And I'm like, this looks an awful lot like blood and I'm not eating that. <laughs> So I had this deep love for animals and for, for just for my surrounding and for plants and like for everything. And, you know, like this, this other funny story which happened with food was that one day it was a normal lunch and we had this nice, beautiful pudding, vanilla pudding on the table. And I, I remember this like this was today. It must have been like seven, eight, I don't know. And my dad was like irritated because I wanted the, the pudding before I wanted to eat the other food. And he's like, no, no, the, you won't like the pudding anyway, because it has sardines in it. And I'm like, okay, I'm not eating the pudding. It's, I'm done. And so we ate our food. And then afterwards, my mom was serving the pudding. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. Thanks. I, I don't want any of the sardine pudding. And she's like, well, what are you talking about? And so like, yeah, my dad just told me it has sardines. It's like, no, it doesn't have sardines. And he goes like, no, what's a joke? It doesn't have sardines, you can eat it. I'm like, I'm not eating it. <laughs> I was, I did not eat that pudding. So for me, this was like, this is how strongly I was connected to this sensitivity. And then actually a couple of years later, I remember again with my dad, being I can already see a pattern there <laughs> where I was like upset about something, crying, you know, I was on a trip somewhere in, God knows where it was in Alaska and Argentina or wherever we were my dad would take these world tours right and so at some point when I was 10 he started taking me on them and so I was crying and he tells me oh come on don't be such a little whatever he said sissy or girl or whatever like in his mindset made yeah. total sense to to say to that little boy who was crying and I, I remember in that moment just being like okay fuck this, I'm going to toughen up today, here and now. And so I pretended to become this really, this tough guy, right? And I put on this tough guy persona. And so my entire preteen and teen childhood was about being the tough guy. It was always the one who could drink the most and would jump off the craziest thing and wear the black leather jacket and treat the girl's shitty and be like, oh, I'm so cool, you know, and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, you know, all these things which I kind of like lined up in my James Bond, you know, persona, which I was trying to copy. Like it was kind of a mix probably between Rambo and James Bond, right? <laughs> That's about how my 15-year-old self could come up with. And so I was this tough guy for a long time. And then I remember someone telling me about yoga. And I think I was only 18, 19, something like that. And I was like, oh, tough guys, don't go to yoga. It's so, so gay to go to yoga, right? That was about the level of my, my consciousness, huh? to express it in that way. And then I somehow, you know, he, he got our whole friend group together. So 20 other tough guys were going also. I was like, okay, I can go to yoga. The other 20 tough guys go. And then I really connected at such a deep level, you know, where I really came inwards and I really connected with myself and with my true identity. And I was like, oh shit, hope no one saw, you know, like that was kind of completely mess up my tough guy persona. And then, then it got so confusing 
because then I was practicing yoga and I was being the tough guy. But then I was starting to feel all these sensitive things again. Then I was able to, to choose vegetarianism instead of eating meat. And I was like, oh, I've been wanting to be a vegetarian since I'm five. This is perfect. Um, then the other thing, I, I always had long hair. So I kind of, you know, like that fit really well because in the in the yogi Sikh world, we don't cut our beard, we don't cut our hair. I'm like, I've always been wanting to not cut my hair. This is perfect. I'm loving this. So I really fit right into this, into this new experience, but I needed to integrate these 10, 12 years of being the tough guy, which doesn't have emotions, which never cries, which is never upset about anything. And I can just, oh, I just punch you in the face, you know, like that kind of energy. And so that was really, really challenging. That was really, really challenging to let this fake persona grow and to let it go out of my life and be like, hey, there is something behind that, which this, this eight-year-old, this seven-year-old, this six-year-old was already expressing and always happy and smiling and always in a good mood, you know? And then this tough guy was always in a shit mood and always upset because life sucked as a tough guy. So <laughs> that's kind of my 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 quick five minute summary. That's awesome. So you talked about your dad and the fact that well, yeah, he obviously had a sense of humor, <laughs> sardines yeah. in the pudding, right? <laughs> and then he he became the world traveler. I think. I know, I don't know how old you are. We're probably similar age and I'm in my fifties and I know my father grew up in a specific time where he'd be, he'd be that kind of guy to give you a little bit of whap on the back of the head or a kick in the oh, yeah, butt. Yeah. And don't be, a, don't, don't be a wussy. Don't be a sissy, all that sort of yeah, thing. All the good stuff, tough, yeah. Toughen up and, you know, your sisters can do that, get away with this or do that, but you can't. And Not exactly. It, so many of us go through that, but it, you know, those listening, you can maybe relate or not relate, but it is part of the journey of growing up. You develop specific things based on the patterns of your, of our parents, whereas you basically broke free and it took a while. What's <laughs> the tough guy thing, the leather jacket and uh, which I thought the way you explained that was pretty good. You know, but look at one thing that changed in your life. All it takes is one pivotal moment to change our path. One pivotal moment of you going with a bunch of tough guys and checking out yoga to reconnecting to your sensitivity to realizing you are that vegetarian from five years old. It's a, it's a great way to put it, though, because that's how many of you listening feel still trapped in the past? Yeah. You're trapped in the past of what your parents, your friends, um, maybe a pastor or a spiritual guide or a priest or somebody that's said something to you that is opinion based. It's not necessarily factual. And you live your life based on that without ever searching and looking around and noticing the wonders of the world and the wonders that are around you and and you know, driving your own stake in the ground and saying, this is who I am. This is my plot of, of life. And this is the journey I'm going to go on. So kudos to you. I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, <laughs> I love that pudding with sardines. I used to hear, I used to hear similar things to that where people would, uh, 
because I wasn't a big fan of sardines myself growing up. And there was things that I didn't like, but I always ate everything. Otherwise, my dad would be like, oh, my gosh, you're in trouble, boy. <laughs> All right. So I just I, I, that made me smile because and then you didn't even eat it. That's no, just, I didn't. I didn't. And they tried. I, I didn't. Yeah, no, that's funny. Your dad thought he was being funny, but and and you just showed your conviction. I was going to say <laughs> stubborn, but you showed your conviction. <laughs> You're not stubborn, are you? Not minorly only. It actually one. came in quite handy on my spiritual path because I was able to just say, like, I want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and sit and meditate for two hours, and I could just turn that on you know and do that every single day and not miss a single day no matter what happened and so that that came in very handy well yeah because you again you had your convictions you had you made promises to yourself i tell people that all the time if you the, the number one person you have to please is the person you make promises to first which should be yourself and those yeah. promises you yeah. make for, can be as simple as something as simple as making your bed in the morning. And for you, it was getting up to meditate for a couple hours. Perfect. We don't have to explain and justify ourselves to everybody yeah. anytime yeah. in our lives. All we got to do is, is be, to me, you just got to be a kind, compassionate. You mentioned that's one thing I actually, I, I uh, wrote down here. You said you're empathetic. You were, I consider myself, and I didn't realize until a few years ago that I am an empath. I can never figure out why I was always up and down in my emotions because I picked up on everybody else's stuff and I didn't, and I held on to it. And I didn't know how to, yeah. once you understand who you are as a person, is my point, you can better live a life on purpose, not by accident, oh, right? Yeah. right? Which yeah, is my okay. mission. Yeah. So, Emirates, so many are confused with what exactly spirituality is versus organized religion. What is your take on what they are and what are the differences that you see between the difference, like between spirituality and religion? I, I see huge differences. And for me, I'm in a tough situation because I look the way I look. You know, I got the beard, I got the turban. I, I actually follow quite a lot of the Sikh religious practices, which I see more as a lifestyle choice rather than a religious choice, because I really don't see myself as a religious person. You know, I don't like doing the religious stuff. And I wouldn't, I would even go that far and say, I don't consider myself a Sikh in the standard definition of a you know, in a religion, yeah, you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, you're a Sikh, whatever. You know, I wouldn't want to put myself in that bucket, even though I wear the beard and the turban and I, I read the prayers and I, I follow a whole lot of the, of the lifestyle practices and the lifestyle choices, but it just feels so limiting to be in one of the buckets. And so for me, I rather see myself as a spiritual seeker with a beard and a turban, which I both love, you know, to the point where I'm like, it doesn't matter if I'm a Sikh or not. I love having a turban on. It feels amazing. It's a great way to have long hair. For all the people listening out there who do have long hair, they know how rough it is to have long hair. One blow of wind, you have it in your face. You know, you drive in a convertible, it flies forward. It's like, it's so rough. 
And with the turban is so convenient. And I always loved my long hair, but I never knew how to put it together. So when I was young, I just had a ponytail. But then when I first time tied a turban, I was like, oh my God, I feel amazing. And then I sat down to meditate with my newly tied turban. And suddenly I felt so much more in touch and in connection. And I was like, I want to wear a turban. And then people are like, oh, you're a Sikh now? And I was like, I guess I'm a Sikh. You know, like it took me 20 years to get to this point where I'm at right now, where I would honestly consider myself less of a Sikh and more of a spiritual being having a human experience. And so for me, that's where I'm at with the religious aspect. For the spiritual thing, I think we're all spiritual beings having this human experience. And we all experience it differently. You know, some people go into organized religions and that really helps them. Helped me for 20 years. It was tremendous. It really gave me structure. But with any structure, there comes a point where in order to keep growing, you need to, you need to break that structure and you need to keep expanding. And I think there's one of the biggest, biggest challenges of organized religions is that that people get stuck in it and they cannot expand further into your their true identity in that way. Yeah, and it, the problem is, is you're right. You talk about identity, organized religion, and I'm not saying that or all organized religion is bad. I'm saying organized religion tries to pigeonhole us or put us into, encapsulate us into what they want us to be and we already have that growing up with our parents or whoever is our our um, people we focus on that is guiding us to the journey of life they want us to be them they want us to mold us in their image right you hear that all the time in organized religion you know you, you live in the image of for example i'm christian so live in the image of of jesus well i believe in jesus i believe in christianity I believe in, I'm, I'm specifically a Catholic Christian, but I treat faith, and I wrote this down when I was listening to what you were saying, I treat like life itself and my faith like a buffet. There's things mm -hmm. I like about organized religion, just like you. I love what you had to say. There's things I like about organized religion, but I don't like, like I like some of the structure of it, but I don't like the structure where they want you to be a little automaton robot and you do everything the same way um, a lot of organized religions, it's all script. It's all rope or yeah. what they call rope prayer. There's no thought process in it. So I realized that when I was a young person myself, and I'd pray, I pray every day. And the difference is, is now I actually listen up here and I try yeah. to say it out loud so that my brain actually, when we speak out loud, you know that yourself, you actually hear things differently. Yeah. It feels differently. It's it, it it settles on us differently. And I actually listen to the words and I actually give those words, you know, the what they deserve. Right. They deserve my attention being present. And I find a lot of people like I, I was in church this past Sunday and you look around and they're just. You know, speaking out what, uh, you know, here's oh, here's another prayer. OK, so everybody's saying it. Are they really connecting to it? Are they there because they their parents did it and they did it they're doing it or are they doing it because they truly connect and people say to me well, why do you go to church well i feel for me that's solace away from my home where i pray for me to go pray somewhere else there's a community of people that are like-minded there that i hang out with do i hang out with 
the thousands of people that go to my church? No, I only, there's a specific segment that understand my buffet mentality. You go to a buffet, you don't eat everything. If you try something, you don't like it. You don't eat more of it. Well, why can't we treat organized religion like that? Just because this organized religion is inside of walls in a box saying it's supposed to be this way doesn't mean I have to follow it. So I love what you had to say about that. You know, structure is good, but if you stay in that structure, you're stuck and you don't find your own journey. You can still take some of that stuff along with you. It can be a passenger, but like the buffet, only the things that satiate you. Yeah, no, totally. It's, right? it's like a little bit like a sapling growing. And you put like a wooden structure around it to protect it and to allow the tree to grow up really nice and straight. But if you do not remove that at some point, it will start choking the tree to death because the tree wants to keep expanding. And you have that metal clamp on it, which was perfect when it was just a sapling. Right. And so that's that same thing, you know, to be able to know when you're strong and centered enough to expand on your own that's awesome i love the i love that analogy i'm going to steal that from you i yeah, like that sure. yeah no that that's perfect so i'm read so many spend their life trying to accomplish things and before they understand and complete what they're trying to achieve they just up and quit their success could be right around the corner and they're just they can't see it and they don't have the right associations and structures i see this happen in people's search for meaning and faith as well they don't necessarily put the effort in and will quit and try something out and continue this for the rest of their lives start quit start quit they never really succeed and excel at anything in life let alone a true spiritual connection why is it important for one to be disciplined when they're on a spiritual journey when they're trying to figure out where they fit in this world what i would say is you know, it's a, it's a quote from the Dalai Lama, actually. And he spoke about that when he was asked if people should leave their religions they're coming from and, and start following Buddhism because, you know, they were so inspired. And he said, like, when you want to dig for water and you start digging a hole and then after a week or two, you don't find water and you go somewhere else and start digging a hole, and then you go somewhere else and start digging a hole. And after a year, you dug 25 holes and you say, there's no water here. Compared to the other guy who just kept going in the same location and kept going deeper and deeper and deeper, knowing that there is going to be the time when he's going to hit water. He's just going to have to keep going. And so I love that analogy because it really allows me to understand that when I connect with something in a disciplined way where I show up digging on that dirt, you know, which is dusty and dry and it doesn't look anything like water, I keep going more and more and further and further rather than picking up and being like, oh, I saw that guy over there who dug and he found water. So maybe I should just dig for two days next to him and then be like, ah, no water here either. So I'll start again somewhere else, right? So for me, I found that my self-discipline allowed me to go so deep with one practice I committed myself to that ultimately I don't need something else. 
You know, and people often ask me this and say, okay, so I just have to do Kundalini yoga and meditation and follow the Sikh lifestyle and that's the best. I said, no, definitely not. There is a million pathways. You know, all the pathways lead to the same center point, to the point of source, to the point of being and expression, which were all the same. It doesn't matter if you're digging from Islam side or you're Jew and following those disciplines or you're Christian. You just need to stick with it. And that's where the self-discipline comes in. I love that. Stick with it. I've seen so many people jump from organized religion to organized religion because something is said or presented to them that they are offended by. And that's like life. People will look at one bad thing and they forget about all the good that's around them, surrounding them. So that could be Christianity, Islam, Jewish. It could be whatever the case may be. People, they quit so easy when they get their feathers ruffled, right? They get, and, and it they, goes right back to your buffet example. Because it's like me getting offended that there's meat on the buffet and saying, I'm not going to eat from this buffet because someone put a plate of meat on it. Yeah. You know, like someone walking away from this beautiful food, which could have nourished me for weeks and months and years to come. And I could just have chosen to not touch the meat. Come on. It's not that complicated. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I, I talked to, <clears throat> I have a couple um, priests that I'm really good friends with. I've actually gone to the Middle East with with uh, a deacon and a priest that I still associate with and communicate with. They know exactly how I think about religion with with the buffet thing. I remember talking to one of them about it one time. And they just sort of chuckled and said, "Really, that's a cool way to think of it." They didn't judge me, yeah. Because if no matter who you believe in, what you believe in, if you are listening and you, you know you believe in, in nature and you praise trees or whatever the case may be at the end of the day, judge not, right? Just judge not just figure out what you want to do. And the people you associate with in life, if they do not make you your heart sing and make you feel good and have the warm and fuzzies, at least a majority of the time you're around them, even if that's in your organized religion, if it's a consistent thing and not a you thing, then maybe you need to change. But it doesn't mean you even need to change that same organized religion. Maybe you just need to go to a different church. Sometimes you can go across, as you and I were talking about, you can live in one specific state or in our country province and go across the border and it's completely different. It's just like, whoa, you know, <laughs> like, except the fact that life is full of challenges, character building moments and don't always run away from things. Learn to understand and see if that one understanding makes it so that you get it and the rest is all still copacetic and good in your life. You don't have to run to another faith, like you said. Just yeah. accept, and that's what I've done. And I have friends yeah. ask me all the time, why don't you leave and go do and do this? They believe in this and they believe in that. I said, yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I live a buffet mentality. I don't like it, so I leave it there. But I like everything else. There's still enough, like you said, there's still some wonderful food to feed you for days, weeks, months, years that I can stay satiated, right? So I love how you put that. Thank you so much. Um, how do you feel, though, that spiritual discipline that we've talked about and, you know, thinking about that, how does it literally help a person become a better version of themselves, in your opinion? By applying that spiritual discipline to 
yourself first. You know, don't apply your discipline to, to trying to take care of your kids, to trying to be a good husband, to trying to be a good employee, but apply it to yourself first. And it's a little bit what most people can relate to is brushing your teeth. You know, we all brush our teeth in the morning and it's not fun to brush your teeth. It's not fun to floss. It's not fun to do any of those things. But the reason we do it is because we don't want to go out in the world and stink up people and people look at us like, we're like oh, okay, weird guy, right? But it's this, it's just this small act of discipline and the small act of commitment to yourself makes such a tremendous difference. And you do it every day. You don't even think about it twice. And when your personal practice becomes the same thing where you're like, but, but I haven't sat down and taken care of myself. You know, how can I rush out into the world and start doing business and doing all these things and going shopping and dropping my kids off and doing a million things, right? But how can I be with myself first? And how can I make it that important like I would taking a shower, brushing my teeth or putting on clean clothes? That's fair, right? We just, it, it, it basically discipline in general. It's not even just spiritual discipline. It's just that as we talked about, even this, even the discipline of you saying you're going to do something, you're getting up at 5 a.m., you're going to meditate for two hours. One of my disciplines is having gratefulness and you know, a gratitude exercise before I even step out of bed. Mm -hmm. um, I make sure I make my bed. There's certain disciplines that I follow that make me feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stable. I guess, yeah. um, make me feel and more grounded. Gra connected, yeah, grounded. And connected. guess what it is? Now this discipline you're practicing is a spiritual discipline because it grounds you, it connects you, it connects you with your higher centers, it realigns your chakras. So guess what you're doing? You're practicing spiritual discipline. People have a hard time with putting it together and saying, oh yeah, I'm a disciplined person, but I don't do spirituality or religion. It's like, Dude, you do it every day when you make your bed. You do it every day when you brush your teeth. You are a disciplined person connected to your identity, how you want to present in the world. Yeah, I like how you put about brushing the teeth. Part of my gratefulness and gratitude is, you know, and some days I forget until I'm actually brushing my teeth, but I'll think, you know, I'll, I'll thank God for me. Hey, people can thank the universe, whatever they want to do. Thank karma for all that that i care i only care about how i look at it and the fact that i have fingers and those watching on youtube those listening i'm wiggling my fingers i have gratitude and gratefulness because i have arms and fingers that i can take care of myself and be able to brush my teeth that i have the ability to brush my teeth that i have the products to do it with a sink a bathroom where so many people in the world don't. So I'm grateful. I have gratitude for that. And you're right. It is a spiritual thing because it yeah. does ground me. It does recenter me every single day. And it keeps the wolves at bay. It keeps yeah. the negativity of society and their boo-hoo, woo-hoo, the ones that are stuck on the hamster wheel of life and, and everything's negative. And like we talked earlier about people stuck following media all the time and, and they just get, they live their lives like that. 
me, I focus on connection to me and appreciation for the fact that I have hands, feet, that I can walk, that I can still, I even, not every day, but some days I'll be thinking I'll just be laying there in bed before I get up and I'll have gratitude just for the air that I breathe, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. People just take things for granted. Whereas I just super appreciate it because I've lost so many people in my life that didn't have the opportunity to even be where I'm at. And there's yeah. so many people in society that I'll never meet that never have the opportunities that I have. So I better be grateful and have gratitude, right? Especially for those that are That's the beautiful me. thing about gratitude exercises. It comes back tenfold and it uplifts you. And you mm. walk around with a smile and with expanded energy. Why would you not do two minutes of gratitude exercise? Well, it doesn't take long. People say oh, 30 well, seconds. People say, how long does it take? Well, some days I have worked late and I've, uh, and I've been like some people, like normally I always wake up before my alarm goes off. I always set an alarm just to be, you know, have that fail safe. But sometimes I'll wake up and I'll lay there and I'm just kind of in a stupor. And then I realize, oh, it's time for me to actually get out of bed. Oh my goodness, I forgot to do my gratefulness gratitude. And I still have to get out of bed. So I'm doing it while I'm brushing my teeth. Yeah. Nobody says where I have to do it. I define my reality, right? I define my my connection to being the ultimate version of me every single day. And I'm I'm not perfect, right? Most of us aren't. So each day I get I another, I get another each day I get another <laughs> shot to start over and smooth out the edges of my template. Yeah. Or maybe that day that template was really good. I did it well. And the next day it's a little bit, you know what I mean? It's awareness is what I'm getting at, right? Being aware doesn't mean that I, okay, I'm aware of it. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. No, still do it, but now do it while brushing your teeth. And it's about developing a habit of yeah. gratitude. And the longer you practice, the more part of your life it becomes, you know, then even when those sucky things happen, you can get into gratitude and you say, I know five years from now, I look back and I can be grateful. Yes, I'm suffering right now. This is super rough. I don't think this could be any way a, a, a happy memory in any way or something positive. But I know that I'm grateful for having my hands, having the air, having my setup at home. And now I can use that like a like a cushioning blanket to know that I am well and I'm protected and I'm taken care of, even while I'm suffering. Yeah, that's it, it is good though. It's as you mentioned, it it's it's a comforting thing to have those habits, to have mm -hmm. things that we can because so many people are like I talk about the hamster wheel of life. They're they're caught in that hamster wheel because they don't know anything else, any different. They climb back on every single day, and they get off, and they just have a life where they're they're not stimulating their their mind, their body, their soul. They're just living. They're they're really the Walking Dead. They're going back and forth and and just waiting for that time for their ticket and they know crunch. it too and that's why they want to get as quickly back home so they can grab their cold beer turn on netflix and then maybe smoke a joint because yeah. it's the only way how they can function and say at least i had that two hours at night 
where I was kind of making my own choices. So I, the rest of my life, it's all on someone else's hamster wheel, right? So at least I have my own little hamster wheel while I sit there eating my chips, watching Netflix, getting stoned. Yeah. And, you know, there's people, there can be, I tell people all the time that life can be full of moderation. So there's a difference between addictions, being addicted to things and being stuck in that rut and on, like you said, that mini hamster wheel. Now, if people want to do that once in a while, binge watch Netflix and they've, uh, they want to smoke a joint or do whatever, eat chips. Good for you, but hopefully you're doing it on the other side of after you've accomplished and worked on things that are going to better your life, that are going to move you forward. And that is just specific entertainment for you. It's not your lifestyle. That's where I see there's a big problem in society today is their lifestyle their time that is free outside of the big hamster wheel of, of being controlled by others and have, trading their time for dollars is so controlled that they forget that the time outside of their traditional environment of work or career or business is theirs. It's precious. Yeah. Now you can use some of that precious hours to do what you're talking about once in a while, but it hopefully it's not a habit because all it does is ingrain you and stick you really where you're thinking, Oh, I can't wait till the end of the work day. So like you said, I can get onto my own little hamster wheel and then I can yeah. do with those three things you talked yeah. about. And hopefully it's not controlling your life and it is entertainment part of your life. That's what I yeah. want. And it's, and it's very easy to see the difference because if you can get wait to get home to either drink your beer or smoke your joint or do whatever you want to do, then you are addicted no matter what you tell yourself that you're not and then it is a habit and then this habit controls you if you can say oh i can go for two months and then at a party i can have you know a couple of glasses of wine and i enjoy it and it's super fun that's something very different and i think the big problem people have is that they throw it all in the same bucket and say oh it's drinking alcohol or not it's smoking weed or not right it's this if you can make that difference and this is what i what i love so much about the american indian culture you know they were smoking tobacco but they were not smoking a pack a day they would smoke it in ritualistic settings and they would honor the the tobacco plant which is one of the most powerful plants out there and they would connect to it and they would understand that it needed to be shared and it was was this powerful ritualistic thing so Am I coming along now saying, oh, yeah, tobacco is bad? No, bullshit. Nothing is bad about tobacco. Nothing is bad about alcohol. Nothing is bad about marijuana. But the problem is when you use it to cover something up, which you don't want to look at, you're having a problem, no matter what excuse you're making up in your mind. Yeah, well, because it's a mask. You're wearing a mask. And I don't want people listening or, or watching, and especially my loyal listeners that have heard me talk about it, I am not perfect. I'm a I'm a working project the rest of my life till the day I take my last bat, breath. So I'm not here to judge anybody. And neither is Amrit. We're just sharing the fact that in life, you have so many choices to climb out of the rabbit hole to succeed. And you can do things in moderation. Just try if you're stuck in that lifestyle of anything that we're talking about or things that we haven't maybe mentioned 
reach out to somebody like us and and just have a discussion and a talk that could be the baby step for you to change to learn um you know gratefulness exercises to learn about meditation to learn about yoga you're never alone only when you choose to be alone right there's so much information out there in society if you don't if you're nervous don't like talking to people it's a great thing called google yeah right you can find out so many different varying opinions you can watch videos but end of the day though life is a choice whether or not we're going to be stuck or not it's a beautiful thing that it's a choice and i want to take it a little bit away from from the alcohol and the cigarettes and the and the drugs because i know a lot of people really are attached to that and it's a little easier to understand when you talk about sugar or caffeine you know you drink 20 cups of coffee a day and it's the only way how you can function and operate in this world. And if you, for some reason, can't have your first cup before you get out of bed and your whole day goes to shit, you have a problem, no matter what you tell yourself. If you live off candy bars and Coca-Cola because that's how you you know, take in energy, you have a problem. And it's okay to have a problem. Is not there's no judgment in there. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm so much better because I don't do it. I've been there. I've been in all these places. Me too. And I know how it feels. And that's why I feel also equipped to talk about it. Because if if I smoke a joint in a realistic ritualistic setting, where you know, where we all sit together and it's a it's a beautiful thing and it's in a connection with a meditation and some chanting, whatever. I smoke the joint, but if I just smoke, you know, a joint at 10 in the morning, just so I can make it through the day somehow, I have a a crutch. It's a crutch. And it's a crutch. Exactly. And I like that even better than having a problem. Do you want to walk for the rest of your life with a crutch? Go ahead. It's okay. We still love you the same. But if you want help with this, you want to like, say like, I want to try something different. I'm realizing how it's affecting my lungs. I'm realizing how it's affecting my health. I don't want to see, have my kids see me smoking wheat 24-7, you know? Like, then make a change. And if you can't do it alone because it's too hard, get yourself an ally who stands by your side. And this can be a good friend. This can be a trusted advisor. This can be a coach, whoever it is. But get yourself the help to go to where you want to be. And if that's the perfect version of yourself, then be happy with your crutches and keep hobbling around. That's okay too. No judgment. You know, yeah. it's a biggest it, one to learn. Because, it, it, well, yeah, obviously there's no judgment because bottom line, we all have the right to make our own choices. And then we live within those choices. And I would never judge anybody that if they want to come home every single day and have a beer and and watch Netflix and eat junk food, if that's the reality that they're comfortable in, the reality that they think they're happy in, who am I to judge the fact of yeah. what their happiness is? The only person that can control Dwight's happy is me. The only person that can control yeah. your happy is you. So, yeah. and I've been in that place where I've been stuck in the valley of despair and wallowing in misery and, and, you know, using addictive personalities and you talked about coffee and stuff i love coffee but i realized at one point in time in my life that i was drinking way too much of it i was one of those couple pots a day yeah. and i just i quit 
I quit coffee for absolute years. Then I remember going to my mom's house. She stopped asking me if I wanted coffee when I'd get there. You want a coffee? And then all of a sudden she says, would you like something to drink? She didn't ask me specifically for coffee. Mm-hmm. I said, well, actually I'd like a coffee. I thought you, you quit. I said, yeah, I think I'm going to have a cup because I kind of think about it and I miss it. But I've had a place in my life now where it's not going to control me. I'm going to control it. Yeah, and that's and the way it's, and that's the way it is. Yeah, I have a yeah. cup of coffee as you, you know, people watching, I got a, I got my kids bought me this for a Christmas present. And I drink one of these a day after that, if I have anything else later today, I'm drinking herbal tea. Yeah, there you go. And suddenly you are using it in a healthy fashion and it's not your crutch anymore. Yeah. And, and it applies and for everything. A hundred percent. I love this conversation. You're a great gentleman to, uh, you're very, you're very good at sharing, right? I appreciate it. And, you know, the the vulnerability and the way that you explain things is really appreciated. I, I can imagine my listeners are quite enjoying this as well. well so I'm enjoying it a lot too. Yeah, thank you. Amrit, you have been studying, now I want to say this correctly, Kundalini yes, correct. yoga for over 30 years, which you have found gives you the greater ability to deeply understand and connect with your clients. What exactly is Kundalini yoga, and does it differ different a lot from the yoga practice in North America? It does. Um, it's it's a different way to practice yoga. It's not so much based on the physical postures. You know, with with many of the other yogas, if it's Hatha, if Ashtanga, or those very traditional forms of yoga, not so much with the new things which have developed over the last thirty years. But with those traditional practices, it's very much about your physical body. It's about your physical flexibility. It's about being able to hold certain postures, developing strength. So in order to master that kind of yoga, that takes you 15, 20 years of dedicated practice, several hours a day, which is possible. And then it becomes very spiritual at that point. You know, it goes into when you're suddenly able to do this physical aspect, And then suddenly made the meditation easier, made your spiritual connection easier, made your spiritual discipline easier. And that's why the yogis back in India used to practice it, because it was an excellent tool to connect deeper with your own spirituality. It's not like that today anymore. Today, yoga is about, you know, wearing your little Lululemon pants and putting on the nice makeup and going and having a a cute looking butt, you know, like (laughs) I'm yeah. not complaining, you know, like yeah. people again, enjoy do your, you do you, I'll do me is the exactly. way I would like, and, right? you know, I don't mind watching it either, you know, like, <laughs> hey, yeah, of course, <laughs> we're not complaining here, right, but Kundalini Yoga uses yoga practices, but very basic ones, I mean, you and I could sit down right now and practice a Kundalini Yoga set, because you would have the ability to do the exercises on day one, you know? So it's it's that it's that approachable, which is what I liked about it a lot, because again, I would have not stuck with the yoga practice, which would have taken me 15 years to perfect. But this very simple approach of Kundalini Yoga worked for me. So Kundalini Yoga uses the, the physical techniques to open up your chakras, open up your energy, pathways and prepare your physical body and your energetic bodies 
for deep meditation. So the Kundalini yoga aspect is really just a tool to meditate properly. Because like probably many of the listeners and you yourself know too, when you do not have a solid regular meditation practice where you meditate several hours a day, to sit down and say, I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes right now is torture. You know, your mind will do all kinds of things and like distract you and stuff happens and you're like, okay, meditation is not for me, which I think is the biggest misconception people have in this world. Because we as human beings or as spiritual beings having this human experience, we are meditators. We're meditators by birth. When you ever, you know, like in the before we were born in our mother's womb, all we did was meditate. Then, you know, we were born. And when we're nursing with our mothers, we were in that moment. If you ever watch a baby nurse, you see in what deep bliss and meditation that baby will go and it expands that energy all the way to the mother. The mother will go into deep meditation and expands the energy to everybody in the room because it is such a powerful and profound moment of calm and meditation and deep connection. So all of us know how to meditate. So all this being explained now, we're using the Kundalini Yoga to open up those energetic channels and then going into the deep meditation and so in Kundalini Yoga, we have a lot of different meditation techniques for different purposes, you know, something for the heart or for the brain or for your third eye, for your intuition or for your stamina or, you know, there's even one for earthquakes. You know, there's all kinds of meditations our teacher has given. And so these meditations, these preparation is done through Kundalini Yoga. And then you can go deep in the meditation, which again, it's a human ability we all have. Wow, that's a great, great breakdown of of exactly what a person can do, right? Well, as you said, it's a stepping stone for person to open up to be to meditate properly. And it's something that's approachable. It's easy to learn on day one. And I like that. I like that it's um, simplistic, but yet it has extreme value. It's not so simplistic that it's just, you know, like you said, somebody dressing up, putting on Lululemon and heading to a studio to do these poses and do this and that. And there's no real intent. It's just vanity, really. Yeah. Right. Okay. And no that's, judgment, and, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The people that want to do that, pretty. that's, we don't that's mind. fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you want spiritual connection and you yeah. want spiritual depth. Kundalini yoga is amazing. Yeah. You know, so again, I'm not against people that do yoga. Cause again, I have, I have clients, I have friends that are yoga instructors and it's, and it does, it's great for them. It does awesome things for them. But again, there many people do a lot of things for vanity, even people that go to the gym and they're not necessarily there. They don't understand. It's the exact result same is, thing. The end result is they get some physical fitness and it's good for maybe their cardiovascular, depending on what they're doing and good for their muscles and good for exercise, but they really don't, aren't there for that. They're there for the vanity of it. Right. Yeah. So connecting to that spiritual side of, of yoga, I think is, is a great thing. And I appreciate you breaking that down. So one of the things that I wanted to get into 
I have many friends over the years. We talked about this before hitting record over 30 plus years that are Sikh, right? And you did mention a little bit about, about this. You talked more, uh, but I'd like to get a little bit more into it. Many do not understand what Sikh represents, nor why they specifically wear a turban. You talked again a little bit about the turban holds up the hair, but there's a, there's a an actual reason why uh, a Sikh will wear a turban, right? Whereas no. other people, you know, I have I have uh, friends that are East Indian that wear turbans and they're not they don't represent themselves as Sikh. So can you tell the di- listeners what exactly is a Sikh in the sense of why did it, what is a Sikh? What is a person that I guess it's if they're not can't remember the word, but not baptized or or been indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah, baptized. Yeah, yeah. What is the significance of the turban and what it represents in, in the Sikh faith? And why would somebody choose to go that path to wear yeah. the turban and be recognized as a baptized Sikh? I think I want to answer this question in, in two parts. Because sure. the turban is a tool being used by the Sikhs, like you all brought it up. Other traditions use the turban too. So I want to talk about the turban separately. But being a Sikh means being a spiritual seeker, being someone, being a lifelong learner, living a certain lifestyle. In my opinion, unfortunately, we turned it into a religion which I'm not happy about because I personally feel it's more of a lifestyle choice. You know, for example, it says in the the Holy Scriptures of the Sikhs, you shall rise early in the morning and recite God's name. Now, that's a beautiful thing to do if I want to. You know, if I do it out of guilt and shame because someone else might guilt trip me about it, it's a horrible thing to do. So I want to rise early in the morning and meditate on God and my connection to source, no matter if I'm a Sikh or not. But it's a great thing. That's one of the things which is in there. You know, another thing which the Sikh script just talk about, you know, the beginning of the scripture is Ik Onkar. There is only one creator and that creator is the source of everything. Huh, that applies. That applies to being Christian, that applies to being Muslim, that applies to being Sikh too. And it applies to the Hindus and the Buddhists too, even though they have it a little bit broken down in a different way, you know, and the Jews too. So it's the same thing. Another thing from the Sikh religion is that we don't convert people. That's a big one, you know, where we don't go out and try to get others on board. Sikh religion was developed out of a necessity 500 years ago in India, where in the northern part of India, in the Punjab, we talked about it earlier, where your friend Haman is from too. In the Punjab, there came the influence from the east. I want to show it from the right side here now because I'm going to be mirrored. And then the Hindus on the bottom in the Indian subcontinent, right? And so they came together in the Punjab and they lived together. They ended up being neighbors. They ended up being friends. They ended up hanging out, meeting each other, working together. And then they were like, but we can't really like celebrate together. We can't pray together. Our kids cannot marry. We cannot even sit on the same table and share a meal together because our priest will be upset that we're sitting with a lowly Muslim, you know? Like, and that really became a problem because humans tend to want to connect. 
young generations, 16, 17 year olds, tend to want to connect. And guess who they want to connect with, you know? Old story of Romeo and Juliet. It's exactly the same thing. So out of that came this necessity to say, how can we live a spiritual lifestyle? How can we live a, a connection with God as a spiritual being without having to surrender and let go of our Muslim beliefs and of our Hindu beliefs? And out of that came the Sikh tradition and say, like, hey, let's just be a good person. Let's let make that our highest principle. Let's live in a pure way. Let's make that our highest principle. Let's serve the people in need, which need help and support, and rather than just thinking of myself, the same as in every religion around the world. It's always about giving back. So I make myself more prosperous, more expansive, more full, more brighter, everything, so I can give back more to the world. Not so I can sit in my little cave and be like, oh, I'm so happy, I'm so bright and shiny. Right. No, I want to give this back to the world. And so I work on that. And so that's kind of where the Sikh tradition came from. And again, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with this religious thing. But in today's world, it just makes it so much easier to say, oh, oh we label it a religion. And now suddenly I can, you know, wear my turban in the airport and they can't ask me to take it off unless they take me to a separate room because they understand that they would offend my religious beliefs. So I go for it no? Yeah, I I get what you're saying. It's we live in a world though that everybody wants to label. Yeah. Right? And as you mentioned, I I love how you broke that down and explained it because listeners, again, I've been friends in that community for more than 30 years. One of my best friends in the world that has mentored and guided me was born and raised in India. Went from there to England, from England to Canada. And I've learned a lot over the years from his wife, his family, and then they don't even live in it where I live anymore. But I live in a community where in where I live in my little what they call a keyhole crescent or cul-de-sac. Yeah. There's sixteen. There's sixteen houses, and twelve of these houses in the sixteen houses are all East Indian, and I love them all. I knew specifically when I moved here, and. Because I accept everybody for their choices. Their buffet choices are not my right to judge. And they they believe in different things. And Harmon, when him and I have talked about it, because again, he's a young guy. He's, he's 25. His dad's, his dad's my age. And his dad is really connected within that, as you mentioned, that spiritual side of it the you know the lifestyle of it him and his wife embrace it i appreciate it they know i'm christian they appreciate me there's no judgment and that's the way life should be you do you i do me as long as i'm kind and i tell people all the time you know they'll say to me well i can't really connect to organized religion or i don't really connect to to necessarily god or you know there's people that are atheists that don't believe in god agnostic that say there's no proof of god the list goes on labels 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 and i'll just say i'll just say to them you know have you ever heard of something called the ten commandments yeah take out the fact that christians believe moses brought down from god the ten commandments blah 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 do you know anything about the ten commandments and i might talk to him about it and i'll say you know what there's 10 rules that really, if you can follow those 10 rules, you're going to lead a pretty good life. 
You're going to treat people with respect. You're going to get what you sow. So there, that's your, your stick, right? Just follow those rules. You know, and if you don't like one of those 10 rules, that's your, still your choice. That's your buffet of life, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 people overcomplicate it and realize, like you said, you mentioned, you know, somebody's saying things about how you need to do stuff when you need to get up, how you have to meditate. You can't sit at the same table and eat with one another because the priests or the whoever, your your religious educators, your teachers are going to be upset. Well, guess what? I'm here to tell you that's okay if other people are upset with your life choices. You're the one that well, has to go to bed at night. You have to go to bed at night with your choices. Right. They don't. But it's that's the beautiful thing of 2023. It's okay. 500 years ago, you might end up beaten and chased out of your own village or hung. you made the wrong choices, right? So I think it's we're living in this luxurious world today where we can make our choices, you know, where I can walk out on the street with my beard and my turban and not get beaten up because I look like someone who's been on the news. And so that, that's a beautiful world to live in. Well, and there's still a lot of ignorance out there, though. There'll still be people in times where you travel where you might get treated poorly. Oh, yeah, I, I still get it quite a bit. I'm just saying, like, when I look back to our ancestors 100 years ago, you know, people on the fringe or who were not native from the country where they lived and who had a different skin color or something, that amount of shit they had to eat, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, you think course. about that, that's our grandparents, our great-grandparents, who were the ones like dishing it out left and right. Uh, absolutely. So Amrit, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? What I would say is honor yourself first. Honor your choices. Honor your kindness. Take responsibility for your life. Stop blaming surroundings, other people for your unhappiness and 100% learn to take responsibility. You know, stand up for yourself. Do what you need to do and know that you already have all the answers inside of you. You don't need to find the answers in some religion or some spiritual path or some friend or your you know, significant other but it's all there. Do you just have to learn how to listen? And that's what I love about deep meditation. That's all it is. All you do is listen and you'll hear the whole universe speak to you. No, oh, that is so true. Um, I look at people that pray and there's nothing wrong with praying, but prayer is you expecting a response, Right, whether it's divine intervention within your thoughts or it's just your thoughts coming out, and you know, and I love that how you put that. You're meditating to get an answer. You're listening. You're you're feeding yourself and you're listening at the same time. It's it's connecting to your core self, and on top of that, if you're a spiritual person and you believe in God, it could be God talking to you through that. Right. Exactly whatever whatever works for you is basically <laughs> what 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 it should be so i love that honor yourself first great last message i appreciate that so our time is almost up and i want to respect our listeners and your time however before we end can you please tell the listeners 
What's the best way to reach you? Probably the best and easiest way is to just find me on my website. It's coachingnow.info. And I'm sure you can just put it in the show notes. Yeah. But the way I would recommend for my listen for our listeners here to, to find me is on TikTok because I'm having such a blast on TikTok. It's so much fun. I've been posting for over a year now, every single day. I built two accounts up now and it is such a raw and authentic way to connect with people and it's so different from Facebook and Instagram. It's a little funny because I sound like a TikTok advertisement. I'm sure. <laughs> but I'm having so much fun on TikTok as an old man because, you know, it's a lot of teenagers on there. But it, my kids are even making fun of me. They're like, you're more on TikTok than, than we are. It's like, yeah, but I love it. You know, and it's like, this is the new way to connect with the world. You know, there is no other platform where you can connect in the same way as through TikTok. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I I hear you. I have a TikTok account as well. I don't post to it um, as often as I should. At one point in time, I did. I used to do daily live videos, but after it's going to be in May, it'll be coming up here. It'll be a year since I quit doing it. I had posted 837 live videos. Oh, wow. Every single day, <laughs> every single day I did, I, I'd hear something from somebody and I decide that's the topic I'm going to talk about. And I just wing it. I didn't yeah, script yeah. nothing. I might write down the thought, like talk about this in the world or talk about that. Mm-hmm. And that would be it. And then I just click start live and I'd start recording and then I'd share it to different um platforms and tiktok i've been bugged for a long time so i only started doing tiktok maybe the last six months of me doing these videos but you're right tiktok is a total different experience i even find that the audience you have with instagram versus facebook versus twitter it's all different not everybody not everybody thinks the same in each platform yeah and i i never got into facebook and instagram because it was kind of big 10 years ago i was living in india was not my focus at the time but now coming back into the the western world and interacting with people i really you know just for me what happened um last week is one of my videos went viral and that was like such a strange experience when you suddenly have half a million people watching a video you post and you get hundred thousand responses it is psychically like such a, on one hand, very exhilarating experience, but on the other hand, also like, oh my God, like imagine stepping on a stage with 50,000 or 100,000 people and everybody goes quiet and looks at you. You're like, oh my God, shit is real. <laughs> I, I've, wow. got, I've, got the, I've got the cookie. That's what I think of. I've got the cookie that everybody wants when you get to that point where, so many people are connecting and congratulations on going viral with that post. I've uh, went on to your social that you had represented in your, in your uh, profile. And I added on TikTok. So I'm going to have yeah, to go well, watch I, that. I, I I'm going to go watch that video. Like that one, which went viral was actually a part of a podcast. So if you feel inspired and you want to put together a little, you know, double video, with I you, do. I, I posted on that. 
I do do videos. Like if you look at my, if you take a look at my TikTok, I post podcast stuff on there. I posted yeah. stuff yesterday. Well, for, send it to me. I'll I'll put it yeah. on my profile and maybe we'll get another one. <laughs> yeah, I can send you whatever. I've actually, my production company does a couple, uh, an autogram, videogram, and now I have a, uh, um, online software that I purchased that actually goes through and finds it's an AI finds specific things and you can create the up and down you can create just you or you can create side by side you if you if you go and look you'll see I th don't know how many I posted on TikTok but I've been playing around with it so certainly I will send them yeah, off to I'll you when out. this when this goes live and uh yeah I appreciate your time so Thanks for being on. If you have any last closing messages. No, thank you so okay. much for having me. It was so much fun. Let's do it again someday. Yes, I appreciate that. So thanks so much for being on. Give a heck, Amrit. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn. It is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com and until next time together let us all strive to give a heck